0: Please hit like, share, and subscribe. Now enjoy the Practical Guitarist podcast. good evening Jim well good evening David is it really I, I don't know it's nine o'clock my t- it's well I don't know when like i need something I just
1: was insinuating that it might not be good well I you know I, I just got
0: done cutting my grass and it was in one of those rushed get the grass cut before it gets wet again yeah uh scenarios so like, I let have the, up the dry rain's out. coming
1: tomorrow <laughs> yeah
0: well it might come tonight so I let it dry all day as much as I could but it's like you know you've got a you've got a dinner party and you got to take that shirt out of the dryer now right or you know those pants up and they're not quite dry but mm, I'm gonna put them on anyway Uh um that's the kind of thing I've got going on right now um and uh so that's that's my what's new um I had Oh, and I bought tickets to a movie. You got to hear this story. So I bought tickets to a movie. There's supposedly, my son says, there's only one IMAX in the area. So I picked the IMAX. I do the thing, wrong IMAX. I, I picked a IMAX in Norfolk, and I was in Virginia Beach. 40 minutes apart, and I got there at the time the movie would have started. So let's just say I was mad. Um, and if I got there early, like I should have, like I always like to, I could have got my tickets refunded. Then bought tickets there and saw, saw the movie. But instead, now we got to fight the credit card companies. And say, hey, we can go to the movie. I'm not paying for tickets for a movie I didn't go to, number one. And number two, got to go see that movie still, that Avengers movie, which I have zero interest in seeing. None. The
1: uh, Doctor Strange one. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I'm sure I'll be entertained. I love superhero movies and I love sci-fi. I'm sure I'll be entertained in the moment but outside of it i could think of better things to do with two hours of my day
1: this has definitely so far been a, a uh scuffs scuffed uh episode because i we started off and the bubble was lit for the led was lit for the last uh topic oh, so 2%. i decided to flip it over it's so funny um so anyway we what this happens if you've ever watched the show on youtube before sometimes there's titles that don't make sense and um <laughs> it's just you know shit happens uh, today we're we don't have a clever title for this episode mostly because we're just nope. going to be discussing stuff that we've has gone right. on in May, really. Um, we we haven't recorded in two weeks, folks, so, and so we're playing catch up. Yeah, we're playing catch uh, up.
0: We'll play mustard next week. All
1: right. So, what's new, Jim? What do you got going on? Okay, I
0: got a, I got a couple of new things. So, uh, being a local musician, there's a lot of local artists, and this was not something I asked someone to do but they presented it to me and then they said, if I'd like to buy it, I could no pressure. No. So somebody drew me. Oh yeah, There I am. They got your tattoo um, and everything. Yeah. They even got the headstock, right? Mm. It's hard to see, but there is Gibson in there and there's, you got, you got Paul
1: in there. Yeah. So now, you know, you can have your Gibson yeah. crap.
0: you so, got a great yeah. Gibson
1: branded drawing. Gibson branded drawing. Um, and the
0: local musician is named David. He, um, he does... Uh,
1: it's really cool, actually.
0: Yeah, it's actually very good. And in per- I, I wasn't sure what it would look like in person. It looks better. Mm-hmm. And he put it in this thing because so, it's, it's pencil. Right. And he sprayed it with a thing. So that's very nice. And it was very sweet. I wanted to give a shout out to David Xavier uh, He's a local uh, artist um, and does these things. Uh, I, I won't give you a price because it just depends on what you and he agree on. But I will tell you that it's reasonable, especially for the number of hours he puts into these drawings and the precision that the drawings give you. Um we're we're thinking about getting the band done that way uh to for a uh, you know thing we can use. Um so I have another what's new. It's it's not as big as the drawing. Um well you got a couple of what's news, actually.
2: I actually do. All right, so.
0: have
2: this yeah he's um, got another this, one
0: this is a gold topless ball
1: but he said he wouldn't yeah. buy
0: yeah I, I let one go to bring one in
1: he got rid of the double cut
0: yeah I got rid of the double cut this is much heavier than the other um I did something to this that I also did to my amber one but I did it to all my les balls does anybody know what it is
1: you removed the pick guard
0: I removed all the pick cards I went and pick guardless at least Any for a particular
1: while. reason to do that?
0: Uh I don't really need a pick guard. If you if you saw the way I play, I do more of my scratches are right here along the pick, up, pick guard. Or, uh, yeah, you cover. you play tight into the then, bridge.
1: I've I've watched you.
0: I bought a um strap that goes with it,
2: and I'm going to use the strap for all of them.
1: It's cool. Um. So refresh my memory. What's different about the gold top is that it's a different shaped neck, isn't it?
0: So yeah, this guy. Um, so it, it's supposed to be the same exact thing as my 50 standard. that's hanging behind me. Um, I thought the neck shapes
1: were slightly different.
0: No, it, it's supposed to be the same, but it doesn't feel the same. And it doesn't definitely doesn't sound exactly like, although, like you said, um, uh, when we talked earlier this week, I, I suspect um, those
1: guitars are way closer than most people would think. Um, yeah, the
0: the, the pickups uh, sound a little gnarlier, uh, but it
1: could be a uh, height adjustment, new right, strings, simple height adjustment, yeah. well probably,
0: and strings. And there's there's both on both of them right now. There's ten forty sixes tuned to standard, so they they sound all right. Um, but I decided to go pick guardless because I was like, geez, I'm I don't really need to but I'm on there. I mean, I just don't scratch the guitar. Um, and the only guitars I have scratches on the pick guard is the three, three, five. And it's because the pick guard on the three, three, five. Yes. Different upward. Right. Instead of, you know, and so when you're playing it, you do tend to get it. If you strum. Somebody asked me, Yeah. And somebody asked me, they said, well, why don't you pick the pick guard off that? I go, I don't know. A three, three, five doesn't look right without a pick guard or with a pick. Yeah. Without a pick guard. So I said, yeah, I'll just, I'll just keep it under. So, um, yeah, I, I did that. And, uh, and other than that, I, I, you know, yeah, it felt good. You know, I really.
1: I generally don't like them on the, on the Les Pauls because they, they rattle. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a subtle thing. Um, but I've had like new off the shelf ones where the screws aren't like super tight rattling. And it's like. It's almost like trim springs in a, in a strat when it, when they're, you know, at the right, just the right tension that you can hear them like a reverb tank. Um, yep. so I just, I rip them off. I'm just like, I don't want one. <laughs> you know, I don't want that on there. I know it's a looks thing. I like, I let a lot of people really like the way it looks, but I always thought it was just case, kind of a silly.
0: Yeah. In case anybody wonders what I do is I just take the, uh, crew was in there. I just put it back in the hole. See if they're... They yeah, can you can
1: it leave open. it open, too. I know a lot of people do. That's why I do You can it.
0: leave them open. Uh, the only reason I put the screws back in the hole...
1: See, so don't lose them. <laughs> I don't lose them. Yeah, exactly.
0: And to be honest with you, they're, what, 20-cent screws?
1: I yeah. Mean,
0: it's like...
1: Well, they're 20-cent screws now, but, you know, if you keep that guitar 60 years... No, I'm kidding. I won't be alive then. I won't really Well, work. you know, and, and they um, won't be rare either because there's a million yeah. of them.
0: <laughs> and that's the thing, you know... And that's the thing about all this stuff, you know, you talk, you've got all these people like, I don't want to put a scratch on my guitar. I don't want to put it in. And I'm like, you know what? If you're buying a brand new guitar for, for if it says um, collector's item, don't collect like, it. Right. Which is something we'll talk about later. Cause the collection mm-hmm. item thing is something we definitely have to discuss today.
1: Yeah. 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 So, um, so you've got some what's news. I got right? some what's new. So like, this is a project I'm working on. Um, it's almost done actually. This is uh, the King of Tone clone from yep. On Effects. Uh, it's the analog King of Tone. Uh, they, they call it the Theseus, and uh, it's got. Mine is not exactly like the King of Tone. I've got some changes I had to make because I can't get all the components for it right now. Uh, some of the components are unobtainium, and then of course this is the uh, the true. Oh, sorry, this is the true true tr- bypass foot switch. Uh, assembly and then this all gets wired together and that goes in the housing. I've got a blue housing over here sitting next to me. I need to drill it, um, so I can install everything. And once that's done, it'll probably be done in a couple hours. I think I've only got another twelve solder joints or something to do. So, yeah, um, should be pretty straightforward. And then um, RC six hundred I ordered is showing up um, tomorrow, and uh, my guitar's still not done, uh, which I wanna, I'll take a little bit to talk about that. So. Um, if I can remember to, I will flash this up on the, uh, yeah, that's, we definitely need to talk about that. Um, I, I will flash this up if I can remember, but my, so I built that parts caster, the white guitar with the, uh, now it's got torque guard and, uh, Fishman HSS set and, uh, Wenge Neck from Warmoth. This guitar, like, is being built by, um, Good Time Music and they do great work and like, I'm totally comfortable having them build it. But man, if building a guitar right now and getting parts and shit is just not a total clusterfuck. I I, I, cannot, I cannot explain the pins and needles I've been on waiting for things like super switches and the back panel from Fishman or um, even ordering a neck from Warmoth was like a goddamn nightmare because they don't, oh, our lead time is as published plus six weeks. Why can't you just say what it is then? Like right. what? What the fuck? Like who does that? Our lead time is six six weeks plus six weeks. You're gonna make me do math. You can't just tell me what your lead time is. Like you can't say twelve weeks. Like are you that lazy? You're not gonna go update it.
0: That's <laughs> gonna well. Uh, we, we have to add six plus six. Carry the four. Oh. plus two. Alg five. Um, uh, times i to the negative.
1: Three. Whoever whoever made that decision over at Warmoth, you're drunk. You need to sober up, okay, before you start making business decisions. Get some coffee.
0: I'm such a, a smartass when it comes to shit like that. I, I just think that when it comes to the most basic shit, that it should be easy for people to figure out that people don't... I understand you don't want to give unreasonable expectations. Right. Because the, remember the vaporware era of, of software
1: in the 90s? Yeah, I remember when out. the quad cortex came out. Yeah, now and that and, and, <laughs> I went there, <laughs> and, and that's what I mean. I mean, you you look at
0: this stuff, and it's like, okay, we're gonna have, we're gonna make a delivery date, and we're gonna make it like um, May twentieth. May twentieth rolls around, it doesn't show up. People are in a fury. There's, I mean, here's the terrible thing: we live in the world we live in right now. There's death threats because something didn't arrive on time, or a, a movie didn't go the way people wanted, or you know something else. It's We have the most ridiculous
1: era. It's the it's the I need it now culture. But like on the same side of that, there's people that depend on this stuff to actually pay their bills like there are professionals that are buying gear that like need to know when not necessarily their guitar is going to be done, but like when they're going to get their new console that's going to allow their studio to operate because the other one took a shit. Um, Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that it's like. You gotta, you gotta be able to give an estimate, like at least an right. estimate. And I, right. I won't. But you know, gotta be like Scotty. I'm not I gonna can't sc- have it ready for another 24 hours, Captain. I'm <laughs> not gonna. I and you know, I'm not gonna point the finger at specific retailers, but I've been given some like lines of bullshit lately that are just they're on another level. Um, I I spoke to a retailer about a product that I needed to order a couple months back, and they told me it wouldn't be in until the end of the year. Um that they would not be receiving any shipments until I think they said November or something like that. And I was like, well, I was like, well, wait a minute. I was like, it's not coming in until November. How do you know it's coming into? Well, that's when our PO comes due. So I'm like, you don't have a purchase order for additional. Like you don't have any on back order for an exit. No. And I'm thinking I'm sitting there kind of thinking, like thinking oh, to myself, yeah. like, well, wait a minute. It's one thing if it's not going to show up because they couldn't get it to you. But it's another if you didn't right. fucking order any. You know what I mean? Like, that's not, no, you're not, that's not, we're not waiting until November. We're we're waiting for your ass to put in the order. Like that's right. No. Um, Right. And I was, I've been told by another retailer who will remain nameless, different retailer. I was told, um, I'm I'm trying to think of a diplomatic way to put this, but I was basically told like, we should just get used to this. And I'm going, I mean, I get used that, to it if it was one year and then it was supposed to subside. But these companies aren't changing their business model. They're like, fuck it. We're, we're just going to operate like this now. It's crazy. I, no industry does this. No industry. The, the auto industry right now is taking extreme measures, try and get vehicles in people's hands because they got nothing. They can't even sell cars. It's an apocalypse out there right now because we want we to take my wife's car To get the oil change, we went to the dealer because we had to get uh, a recall done. So we so we pulled in and we drove the lot, and there was like eight used cars in a in a lot that probably holds 200. Okay, and we're going something's wrong, you know. Um, but it's like Ford, you know, announced they're going to start shipping cars with no computers in them because they they're waiting on computers to show up. So car will be sitting in a lot, and then when you buy it, the the service guy will install your system. Like what in God's yeah. name? Kind of nonsense is this shit. Yeah. Um, that's so that, uh, so they don't put a computer in a car that's not, that's just going to sit on a lot and wait. But the diff- but the parallel I was making, the difference between the auto industry and our industry is our industry is like, well, we don't even want to airship anything. We don't even want to air freight a couple ahead of time because so people can actually get the stuff they need. And I know air freight's expensive. Like I was told this by a retailer. Air freight is expensive. No shit. But you know what's more expensive? Not having any fucking product on the shelf to sell, which is why it's like, you guys are gonna have to eat some shit in order to sell some shit, okay? Um, which is why I was like, I, I, I'm a consumer. I mean, and, and put yourself in the consumer shoes. I don't care how you got it here. I don't care if it came over on an airplane or if it came over a, on a boat or, some, or, or, or somebody drilled a hole and and shot it down, you know, out of a cannon down the hole across the, the ocean. It doesn't matter. Um, and it doesn't matter to most consumers. That's that's my point. Is like, okay, so there was a um, and this is a bad parallel because I know that this is sort of a political conversation. When when uh Barack Obama was in office, um, there was a, a shortage on ammunition in the country, right? And it lasted eight years. It lasted the entire time he was in office because people were freaking out that he was in office and there was a run on ammunition. And so you couldn't go to the range without dropping an extra 50 bucks on range bullets. They wouldn't let you bring your own in it because they were making a killing off of it. Right. Um, And it got to the point where people were like starting to ask questions about why companies like Remington um, weren't hiring extra staff members or building extra facilities to put out, you know, basically like plinking ammo. 22 long rifle, the kind of stuff they shoot in, you know, the Olympics. Um, and it was like, well, we, we don't know if the industry's actually changing. It's like, well, it's been fucking eight years, you know, like at some point you have to draw a line in the sand and say things have changed. Um, I, most people's jobs don't last eight years. They last four or five. So hire some people on. And when, and when the, the uh, crisis ends, you let those people go and you move on. Like we're we're what now? We're this is 2022, correct? Which means that 2020, we started to see shortages at the end of 2019. 2020, 2021. Well, now in 2022, and I'm going, there's been literally no change by the industry at large. In fact, some companies are still playing the card that, well, COVID's still happening. Um, Fishman is one of those companies. I will out them because they were pains in the ass about getting me my pickups. Um, and it was like the dealer I got them through was having conversations about them when they're going to ship and they were going, we don't, we don't work, we only work like two days a week right now. It's like, well, why? Cause COVID and it's like, well, okay but it's been two years, you haven't figured out a better way for you to do business in two years? You know, come on, people. Um, I I work for a company that's very, very progressive, and we've been functioning as normal the entire time. The entire time. Which is why I have a really hard time accepting, as a consumer, that that a business is like, well, we only work two days a week right now. What? um in the middle of you know the single greatest consumer crisis of of my life which is that like the stimulus payments and everybody was ordering everything on you know under the sun all at once so then um to parlay that in because because i'm kind of done with this angle but uh to talk about the guitar a little bit more so we we order all the parts right we've been fighting manufacturers to get stuff and it's been like this whole debacle this, you remember this project started on the show back in March. Um, and, and, and I expected the neck was going to take a little bit longer and it wound up to it actually, it wound up being right on estimate, right? Um, the day I finally caved and I said, no, I got to ask because I haven't heard anything from them. Um, I reached out to them and they said it'll be shipping on, on like Monday. I was like, okay. Um, so Warmoth they had their shit together, except for the fact that they were asking us to add two dates together because. For some reason, they can't update their website with the correct information. They have to make you do math, which seems asinine to me. Um, and then uh, the 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 Fishman pickups, they were supposed to be in in six weeks, and they took eight. Um, when they showed up, they did not ship complete, so they didn't have the battery. I had to wait an additional week for the battery, um, which was like, what? Um, now, they're HSS, so that's humbucker and two singles and they had to be ordered that way so it was like four different items on the order um so to their credit like they're going to ship what they have right um and i know they're waiting on parts from china so all the fishman stuff no matter what how expensive it is none of it's made in the states uh it comes out of china so you're just going to be waiting until the boat shows up basically um and then that wasn't the that wasn't the real bitch of it right so like uh we get the pickups in and um we re- they they started to work on the guitar and then they realized that the battery plate wasn't there so they didn't do anything um and then they went to start wiring it up um i think it was a, two weeks ago and then like they realized they needed a super switch because the diagrams they provided them were not clear and then when they got the super switch in i believe it was thursday this week they started working on it and they worked friday afternoon pretty much all day so like i think it was like I don't know exactly the exact times, but it was probably they, they spent 10 hours on it this weekend and they finally got it wired up because the diagrams are so bad. Um, and they d- they're not really clear about how certain functions can be combined with other functions, et cetera. Um, and it, it, what I was asking for, I'll, I'll go into in a minute. It, it's not a tall order like this was not crazy stuff. This should be something that Fishman should be capable of diagramming. And, but it just goes to show you, this company knows nothing about electric guitars. They have no idea what they're doing with electric pickups at all. Um, it, this is a bought design and they're merely selling it. That's what, that's what my, my thought process is. Um, which is supported in interviews and stuff. So you can go and uh, actually there was an interview with the guy that designed the uh, Fluence line of pickups on uh, amps and Axis. I would suggest you check it out. Um, anyway, so the, um the whole thing is, is basically as follows. My guitar should be ready next week. They just gotta put knobs on it and do final setup. Um, It is functional. What I wanted on the wiring is three knobs, push pulls on each, voicing for the back tone, voicing for the middle tone. So voicing the, the one that's, you know, farthest from the, or farthest from the neck would be the bridge pickup voicing. The one that is closest to the neck would be the single coil pickup voicing for both coils. Um, which is, that's the way it works on those guitars because it has one preamp on one pickup. And then, um, the other pickup is just simply passive and connects to that. Um, which they have different power rails, which is why you need a super switch. Uh, and they don't tell you that very clearly. Um, they include everything else in the box, but not that. Um, so, and then they have, uh, so I wanted that and I wanted the coil split. For the uh, for the volume knob, for the for the bridge humbucker, and um, apparently that was like a fucking nightmare, uh, and it has to do with the fact that there's push pulls on the guitar. Um, there's three of them in a strat cavity. No, I mean they're they're that they're that tall. I mean it, they're they're pretty ridiculous. If you ever see a push pull knob, I can understand why they were having issues with that. But it's the uh, the fact that the wiring diagrams weren't clear, and they were like basically throwing shit against the wall to see what stuck. Which which is what took so long. And it really seems like Fishman didn't provide adequate information for installation. Um, now to put it in perspective, Good Time has installed a hell of a lot of EMGs over the years. And they've done other Fishman sets. They've done, you know, the strat and the telecaster set, and they've done d- dual humbucker sets and stuff like that over the years. But an HSS set is not something that Fishman sells stock. In fact, for a while you couldn't even get singles by themselves you had to buy the the strat set and then part them out. Um and I think that's part of the reason why this is such a debacle, but it's like if you're going to sell them as singles, at least provide proper documentation. This is pretty wild. And I actually have a copy of the um uh the uh wiring diagrams and to into good times credit like I did ask about the Super Switch when, early on, but I was like I had not realized that every single diagram in the book is a super switch and nowhere did they say you have to have this. So I just assumed, you know, that's the way it works. And um apparently I was wrong. Like you you can't do it without anything else. I just assumed that you could slave even the the uh, passive single to the to the bridge pickup, which is probably part of the issue. But I know what they ended up doing was putting the the uh pe- the active neck or the active single coil I believe is in the neck position because of the way that the switch would work out you'd have to have that powering in the middle position powering the middle pickup and I have no idea how they got the um the bridge middle position to work so that's that's a whole other like I'm gonna have a conversation with with Eric the guy who's building this thing to find out exactly how they made that magic work. Cause I was just thinking about it in my head when we, when I was looking at the diagrams, like this doesn't make sense to me. Um, so anyway, that's going to be, that's going to be next week's what's new. And then I've also got the RC 600 showing up tomorrow. So, um, and I'm streaming more. I've been, uh, I did a music stream a week ago, I think. And then I played, uh, I played video game the night. So I've been doing that more because I'm, um, where where I'm at right now, cases are elevated. So I'm considering kind of backing out of some of the um small opportunities until the cases level off again, which they will. Um just because um the the FDA hasn't approved another booster yet, pretty much. And uh given some of my personal medical issues, I think it's probably not the stupidest idea. Thing, not the stupidest thing in the world for me to do. Um yeah. Yeah, it's a good idea.
0: Um, yeah, so
1: yeah, you know what you should do? You
0: should get Rocksmith and and stream that. I mean, people. You know, everybody love does Rocksmith. You know what those. I hate?
1: You know what I hate about watching mm-hmm. people do Rocksmith? That they suck at Is it. And they it have says to... they did no. A great job. There's a lot of people out <laughs> there that are really really good playing Rocksmith. Oh yeah, no, but, no, um, I, don't. Yeah, I, I you know. Yeah, you know what I hate about playing Rocksmith? I I don't want to play it on Twitch because that's what everybody with a guitar does. So I do the one man band thing. And it works out pretty well. I've had, I mean, I've had some success with it. So no, I was just talking about the gaming side. I'm not. Talking oh yeah, yeah. No, I play games that are stupid hard. That like people are like, you're glutton for punishment. Like, what's wrong with you? You know, play the hardest version of Dark Souls you can. <laughs> like, yeah, that's way too easy for me. That's that's Lego.
0: <laughs> I love this stuff. I'm such a silly son of a bitch.
1: I, um, <laughs> I like games where you play for 22 hours and I'll, if you die, you lose all your progress. This is for
0: <laughs> the fun of it. This is one of those things I do because it, the, at heart, I love this crap. You're still a kid, you know? Yeah, I'm a little boy. I mean, let's face it, I'm a little kid.
1: Yeah, so, I, um, I play stuff that makes you feel like, like, you know, you have to reevaluate your life if you, if you fail at it. You're like, man, I just burned like 40 hours in this game, and I died, and I have to start from the beginning. Like that's the kind oh, of stuff I play.
0: This is my mindless fun, because this is the stuff yeah. I've been working. Right. So you go, <laughs> you go back and forth. Right. The G major
1: scale, or the oh, so. I should share that. So another what's new? I finally committed to memory the uh, oh yeah, yeah. cyclosis. I can you know, decide him. I'm not going to go through that right now. I
0: was, I was forced. I I can do it probably it, it, not as fast as you probably could, but I was forced. You know, you know, like when you're when you're a kid, you have to learn the. Um, I don't know if you guys had to do that. I'm I'm a little older, but uh, we're we had to memorize the numeric tables. Whether it was addition, subtraction, multiplication, right, addition, right, right, in the tens. So ten by ten square. No. So, mm-hmm. From 1 to 100.
1: They made us go to 12.
0: Okay. And so you were up to 144. Yeah. And the thing is that I had to sit there and I had to, I memorize those things. That's kind of what the circle of fist for me was. Yeah. Was that. And then in my own mind, I said, circle of fists. And I saw a clock and I went, wait a minute. And I literally yeah. built a circle of fists only to find out that had already been done like a thousand times before
1: me. Yeah. You're like, C, oh, F sharp. Like. Yeah, yeah that's the that's like, oh, your look at this. And your...
0: it works this yeah. way yeah uh, which i still think is a good idea and i think it's a good idea to memorize how many flats and sharps there are in each ski it that's helps actually
1: you... th- that's actually the reason why i wanted it right because because i'm like if i know that that will allow me to use a c major scale and alter it I'll um it. pretty quickly to understand like the relationships between uh, different scales in a particular key, because now I can apply what, that as like a a numeral type thing, and think right. about it in that perspective too.
0: And it helped me when it came to like somebody recommending changing keys. I say, hey, take this from this key to this key. It's a transposition I it tool. I still can.
1: And it's yeah. and it's I, I've been told um that is like it's a fundamental of music for a reason. Like a lot of people don't they don't use it. They don't think about the fact that they know it and what it does, but it's so foundational. There are other things you right. can't grasp unless you've done that. Right. Um. So I, and I can, I can jive with that. Cause I, cause it definitely opened a few doors where I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like now I get it. Like I get why you, you know, why th- people say there are, there are keys that don't really exist because there's really, it ends at F sharp and then it starts over at flats, you know, like, um, right. And and there's an obvious reason for that. Um. So, anyway, uh, let's go on. Let's go on. Uh, We talked about shipping woes. Let's go ahead and skip that topic because we actually, even though we, we never hit the LED for it. Um, I talked enough about it, and quite frankly, I don't. I don't think there's a whole lot more to talk about that. Um, we want to talk about the bots on Reverb though. Uh, so this has been going around. You've probably seen this in other places, and I kind of want to. I have my spin on it, but basically, I came across it from watching Phil McKnight do his live stream. The other day where he's like yo something's either up on reverb or prices are going through the floor well prices are clearly not going through the floor um <laughs> you know that was kind of a clickbait thing but the reality is that that um there's european there's some sort of european i don't know if this is like bots but like there's a loophole that's allowing people to make claims against reverb it may even be a situation where they're shipping empty boxes or something um, or weighted boxes or pins of guitars like they do on eBay. Um, when you buy a really expensive guitar from a country that's not the US and it shows up at your house and you're like uh, out of $3,000 for a fucking pin, an enamel pin that costs five. Um, yeah, I understand that, that, that this is an issue and people need to be paying attention to this, but he blew it out of proportion. And then everybody ran and did that story. That's that's my that's my gut take on it because I think that's where sixty cycle hum got it from. Was they saw him reporting it and maybe saw it in a forum group where some people were talking about it. And it's Phil sounded the alarm, and he only had like six or seven instances, which you don't think the shit's going on regularly. I yeah. mean, I've seen fake shit on Reverb a lot, Reverb Craigslist. Um...
0: Ebay, come on, it it happens all the time. Yeah, all the time. And Facebook, I mean, I'm that person that copies and pastes the ad, pastes. Yeah, copies and pastes the ads into his timeline, going right like the hundred dollar. We're blowing out these hundred dollar Gibsons, and it's a picture, a, a stock picture from when like yeah. uh, Pete Townsend or Joe Walsh got a signature guitar at the Gibson they, Garage. They, Right, and they posed with all their signature guitars. Wasn't there, wasn't they there a died. thing where they said the Gibson
1: Garage was closing recently? Somebody yeah. was posting at and saying like hundred dollars per Gibson, and it's like, yep. First off, all right. Even if it was, that wouldn't be the price. Real talk. Real talk. Yeah. Real talk for for our audience. If you think you see somebody buying a clone, and clones are three grand now, okay, and you know yeah. the price is three grand, you see somebody buying one for two grand. Ask yourself a question. Is that too good to be true? Because if you ask yourself that question, and I say this because people don't ask that question enough, chances are it's bullshit. It's like the buddy that tells you, well, I bought a new boat, and you're like, how much did you pay for that? And he says, oh, it was $900. Bullshit, yeah. you bought a boat for 900 bucks. Wait White till bull. you see it. <laughs> you got. You got... I want to see the bill of sale. I have, I have people in my life who have historically completely flat out lied to me about the purchase price of things. And it's like, come right. on, come on real for real. Like, I know what that costs to you. Like, you don't have to lie to me and it's okay. I, if you paid, if you pay list price, I don't give a shit. I just curious much right. you paid. Cause normally I'm like, Ooh, I might want to get one. Um, right. So there's, I there's two types of people, right, Jim? There's the people that lie about something and say they paid a hell of a lot less. and There's the people that lie and say they pay a hell of a lot t- more.
0: That's right. I would, I would be in the, uh, uh, the Gibson uh, Facebook pages, and there would be a- almost daily somebody going, I got this beautiful Gibson," And then, of course, somebody goes, fake. And then the next person jumps in fake. The next person jumps in fake because it is a fake. And they point it out because th- these guys, they they look at these things all day long and they're fanboys like myself. And um, so here they are. They're they're you know, and the person and then the person goes, I paid three thousand dollars for this. No, no, you didn't. You bought it on eBay for two hundred fifty dollars from AliExpress or I. Yeah, whatever and you don't want to admit are.
1: that you made a mistake. Right. And you don't want to admit it. Or maybe yeah. they knew and they hoped they could pass it off. And that's yeah. that's another weird thing. Is like, why would you care what strangers on the internet think of your guitar? Like that's that's
0: the other thing. You know what I mean. Of- like,
1: what the why hell? Do you- why do you care
0: what I think of your guitar? I don't care what you think of mine. I mean, the you know, the truth of the matter is I didn't put up a poll and go buying a Les Paul, what do you guys think? Should I get the fifties or sixties? Should I get the less, should I get the gold top or the, you know, who gives a shit? You're not the one playing it. You're not the one who has to have it strapped around your neck and you're not the one that's going to have to listen to it um, or deal with it. If something's wrong with it or right. with it. Yeah. and That's the thing that really ticks me off is just like you were talking about earlier. There's this whole, um, you know, I got to have it now thing, which is what pushes prices up. I mean, we we talked about did we talk about um, uh, did, oh come on JHS
1: and the and the pedals and the and the pricing?
0: We yeah, did, right? I
1: don't know if we right. I don't know if we actually talked about it on an episode, but but yeah, they, yeah. JHS. It so, doesn't matter. We can we can set the same right. for you. Josh says X pedal that nobody right. wants is good, and then all of a yep. sudden X pedal that nobody wants is sold out on Reverb, and the right. ones that and are up there are a thousand dollars
0: a piece that's right everybody wants one all of a sudden everybody wants one all of a sudden a pedal last week you couldn't give away for 60 bucks is going for 400 and that's because somebody saw josh scott play it and went wow that it really is as good as y pedal i gotta go get
1: one. can I can, and, I can i show people what that curve looks like though over time this is time yeah. right this is the time yeah. axis and the curve yeah. goes like this josh scott talks about it oh oh, oh, oh. and then and then slowly <sighs> <laughs> yeah. and they go right and back down to, to where they snor. were
0: that's right, and if you, and if you didn't have that "I gotta have it now" symptom or a uh, uh, syndrome, <sighs> and that attitude, it'd go away in a few days. If, if people weren't willing to pay tons and tons of money for used ones of these on the market,
2: mm-hmm.
0: there't they wouldn't, they wouldn't sell for any more than maybe 600 bucks used, 650 used but because people are still willing to pay more than new for a used PRS. But you um, can, get them, you can find them. Why are
1: people paying more than new? I don't know. That's what I get to. Oh, I got to have it. I got to get it. I got Yeah, But it. they didn't even call enough dealers to know that they're around.
0: Yeah. There's still some around. I know. And they're, and they're coming in stock again. Yeah. And, and that's my point. Um, uh, what was the, uh, um, I've had the opportunity yeah, the to buy Scott one a couple thing. of
1: times. Yeah.
0: I mean, and, uh, you know, it, it really goes, it, it speaks even outside of this. You can talk about the PlayStation 5 and every time one goes up for sale. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden everybody's got to have one. Yeah. And it's like, here's, here's an idea. Don't buy it. till it comes down. How is a PlayStation 5, unless you are you, you and don't tell me there's that many of these people that are you. Absolutely need one for your twitch streams, because yep. you're twitch streaming PS5s games. Do yeah, you really I mean, need a PS5? No,
1: yeah, well do not. Listen, I, I if you wanna if you want to talk about, about crazy shit, okay. So similar similar thing, right? We all bitch mm-hmm. and complain about the price of vintage guitar stuff. And how like Josh will talk about a pedal and also will be worth a lot of money. But yep. y'all don't have anything on what's gone with used video games in the last oh, Jesus. two years, two years since 2020. And I've had people say, oh, this has been happening since 2017. Bullshit. OK, because I was buying old games in 2017 and 2018. And I can tell you what they cost and like a PlayStation one game. Um, any of them pretty much used to be you should you could find them for anywhere between five and thirty five bucks, depending on what game it was and how rare it was. Now you can't find them for less than fifty to two and three hundred dollars. The vast majority of the catalog for for the PlayStation one is now above a hundred dollars, the vast majority um and that's for games that no one wants to play um, right it's just it's a it's a wild collector's market. And the thing is, if you're playing vintage games, um, yeah, you can emulate. But a lot of that stuff, you need the actual, I mean, for, for one thing, if you're going to do it legally, you're supposed to have a, a legal copy of the game. But the but the other stupid part about it is, if you emulate some games, they don't work right, right in emulation. And there's right. quite a few of them actually on the PS1, so that's what's partially driven the prices up. And you it, know it's, it, I mean, it's unfathomable, because it wasn't that they were just old a few years ago. It was that nobody wanted them um, because they were bad. Like, I, so Pepsi Man is a classic example. That was a game that came out. It was a it was a promotional game, and it's a terrible idea. It's a, it's an infinite runner, and Pepsi Man, a promotional game. Let me remind you, now goes for like two hundred dollars. Like, who the hell's buying you know, this crap? It, this is something that, that makes me laugh.
0: Um, is whether it's guitars or Pepsi Man or those pedals. Those, I think it was a ditch tech pedal that, uh, yeah, Josh got it recently, um, looked at.
1: Yeah. Pepsi man is, it, is and not, not a reproduction. Cause there are reproductions of it available. Is it right. $110 right yeah, now? That's ridiculous. That, that, that was a terrible game. I wouldn't
0: give it 25 cents for it. But that's me. But anyway, and so boy, is, sealed $802. Which one? Pepsi man. Oh my god. So here's here's what ma- here's what makes me laugh harder. So you take you take a game like Pepsi Man, whatever, and I those things were, were a digital thing on a on a disc. You can copy it. How hard would it be? You can copy PS1 discs. Yeah, there's there's Reload repro there's easy. repro
1: CDs. Right. Yeah.
0: And so and it would be one thing to say, "Yeah, I got a legal copy," but you can't get a legal copy because it's under you know it, it's not in pro- production anymore. Yeah. So what's wrong with making it now? That doesn't speak to the new. Somebody's going to talk about that new SpongeBob movie that somebody remade the SpongeBob movie. Yeah, with. but you can't. You that's, you that's even if, if it's
1: thing. even if it's out of production, you can't make a copy and for your own purposes and use it. You right. Can use it for yourself. Uh, right? that's. Technically, yes and no. There, there's. Yeah. You shouldn't. Um, yeah. but but you can buy like so. A lot of times, what people do is they buy scratch copies, or they right. buy ones that are like cracked, and then they just go and you know emulate it because right. you have a physical copy. It just doesn't work anymore. Copy. That's exactly what I was
0: going to say. And so, you know, again, the the thing that I'm getting at is this. It, it so, P.S. PlayStation, Microsoft, everybody, they they moved. We may as well get to this thing cuz we talked we've yeah. we've danced around this digital thing we're about to talk about a couple of times already. So the 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 games now. You could buy I just bought uh uh for the for the Switch. I, moved I bought A right sports along. game cuz I enjoy the sports on mm-hmm. Nintendo. I think it's fun. it's silly, but it's fun. Um Again, it's it's like that Star Wars thing. I love playing Nintendo. I I think the little animated characters are the funniest little things to look at and silly and dumb. And I know that, and I still would rather play them than some of the more realistic looking things that are out there. Here, but here's my here's my point that I'm get to. So now we're talking about NFTs. We got to get to the NFT thing. Yeah, I've already
1: moved his head, by the way, Fender. Go ahead. So last time we covered NFTs, it was because Joe Bonamassa had had sold an NFT. And since then, of course, that's like open season. Everybody's selling NFTs of their music right now. Um, But hearing Fender is going to be selling NFTs of their designs. Like, what the fuck? I mean, I'm trying not to swear this episode, but there's just some shit. Like, this is just nuts. Uh, I obviously hate NFTs. I've talked about it on the show before. That's a personal opinion. That's not just the show's opinion. That's my personal opinion. Um, it doesn't make sense to to have that digital the the digital original. Because that second you said digital, it doesn't matter whether it's the original or not. Um so digital digital is the only thing that you can copy verbatim. It'll be ex- it'll be identical to every other version, provided it passes the checksum. Uh, I've been working in computers, Jim works in computers. We've been doing this for most of our careers. And I kind of look at this and I laugh and I go, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Now, I also understand now, as I've been reading more and more about it, there's a connection between NFTs and the metaverse. It's this whole idea that like, you'll be able to go into these virtual spaces. And if you own the NFT, you'll be able to use the NFT item that you own in that virtual space. But it's like, wait a minute, I would rather spend cash on shit that I actually have rather than shit that's virtual. And I've made it very clear to to um, my my wife and others that I will not be taking part in the metaverse. Unless it's a business-specific thing, I won't be buying a virtual reality helmet and going to visit our, our viewers. Uh, it's just not going to happen, folks. I'm sorry, but I have to draw a line in the sand somewhere. This is the most ridiculous bullshit I've ever heard in my life. Is that we don't we no longer need to interact in person because we can just do it on the metaverse um,
0: Well, yeah, so so for those who don't know why Fender or Gibson, which I think also filed for nft I'm sure it, it, I'm sure why if Gibson did it yeah. if Fender did it, Gibson did it, if Gibson did it, if did it, fender did it for sure I'm sure of it but here's here's the reasoning, and I think it makes sense, although it doesn't make sense so. As David said, we're going to this virtual world, right? We're going to a virtual world and as dumb as this sounds because literally this sounds so stupid to me, I don't even... <laughs> You're going to be buying like virtual soup and virtual... <laughs> yeah, like virtual shit. Like things cars, you can't actually virtual... use. Right. Um, and you'll buy a virtual guitar. Nope. virtual nah, You will. I won't. No, 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 Not me. <laughs> I mean the person. The person.
1: Yeah. That's my point.
0: That's speaking my point. To the audience. No, no. I need a guitar a I can actually guitar. play.
1: Sorry, that's right. bullshit.
0: <laughs> Why would you pay money for a virtual guitar that you play virtually? I do got it. A lot of money.
1: A lot it. of money. Not not money, but a lot and of so, money.
0: So Gibson's and and Fender's like no, we're gonna we're gonna make it. So our headstocks and our our stuff our logo, everything else, is protected in that universe, and you will have to pay for for that in that universe. Now, as silly as that sounds to me and you and probably most people, if people start going to the metaverse and and they live their lives in the metaverse, these things, these things, that some of them, listen, as stupid as it sounds, people collect the dumbest shit, right? And v- collecting virtually, you have played MMOs. I have played
1: MMOs. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand people, people
0: that collect People buy shit involved.
1: inside of video games now. I mean, it's like an in-game purchase, if you've heard of this. That's essentially mm. what the metaverse, the, let's, let's call the metaverse what it really is. It's a video game, okay? right. People are, people are acting like it's going to be some business tool. And I'm like, well, I see business applications of being able to have virtual meetings in a virtual reality right. space. I don't right. see the application of like going to the club virtually. do you know what I mean like it's like what yeah, I, and, you, and you gonna date somebody virtually you're gonna I mean it's just nonsense and that and that leads to a whole other can of worms that' yeah even it's get a, it I mean it's almost a political conversation at that point
0: right it's it's a socio sociological um implications of that alone are just way. Way more than I really want to deal with, and I and at fifty years, fifty eight years old on Tuesday, before this the episode comes out. So by the time you guys see this episode, I'll be fifty eight. Happy birthday! I don't give a flying rat. Thank you. I don't give a flying rat's ass about the virtual universe. That said, my grandchildren might, right? Whatever grandchildren they might have to, they might have no choice, right? And because of that, I care about the implications that we leave towards us. I don't care if, if Fender and Gibson make $5 or whatever. Here's the thing. So I play uh, Final Fantasy. And in Final Fantasy, I see people walking around. They, they have, uh, of course, people who played World of Warcraft, whatever. You you drive around on a, on a tank. That tank costs you $25, $30 in a thing. As silly as that sounds, I don't have one of those. <laughs> I'm just saying that I see people riding around in $30- yeah. Um,
1: virtual uh, items. In other words, right. things that they can't actually physically have in the real world. Wearing virtual clothing,
0: having virtual earrings. How big are your earrings? How big is your screen? You can see your earrings, could never feel them, could never touch so, them. So now I understand some of the disconnect there is with human beings and the and the and the um
1: the the you know,
0: again, so, that social side. Let me
1: put this out it, there, and I and I think this is this is gonna this is gonna kind of like temper this argument. <laughs> and and well, I want you to understand. Like, there's some other th- the other implications here that I think we haven't covered. So, if this is really about metaverse, right? If that's what the because right. I really don't believe NFTs are about metaverse. I think NFTs are about about market speculation and people thinking that they have intrinsic value, which they don't. Um, yeah. And I think people are. So like we're seeing that the metaverse implication and the and the question I have about that is so like let's say you buy the Fender Stratocaster, right? Let's use that hypothetically, because then they would never sell the Stratocaster as an NFT because they want to produce many of them. But let's say you buy the NFT of some iconic Fender thing, right? And then you distribute said NFT products and you sell them for a profit. Not the NFT, but copies of the NFT. Right. In in the virtual market space, which I hope to God, that is not what an NFT is actually t- int- intended to be eventually, because then Gibson and, and, and Fender just sold away their, their you know, their intellectual property. Could you imagine that if, if Gibson basically didn't realize that, that they were selling the NFT license? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, you just sold them the license to the Les Paul. Like, right. And now they're basically just running around every, every Burst Les Paul that comes out of the guy that bought the Burst NFT. It, he gets the money. You, you don't get shit. You're going to have to sue him in, in virtual court to get, to get the money from him. Because like that's, that, that, that's the fear I have with companies jumping into this before metaverse is actually a thing. I mean, it is a thing. There are private metaverses already. These private virtual worlds where you can put on a VR helmet and go and interact with them. And yep. people have done crazy things like tried to exist in them for, you know, long periods of time and stuff. Um, so, well, there's a guy that married his uh, virtual. So, yeah, yeah. So. That aside, right. And you could probably make the argument that MMOs are, are metaverses unto themselves. Um, yep. But that all aside, right. Just the NFT side of things and how shady this whole proposition is. Is this is like the nFT is is hand in hand with cryptocurrency, right, and they're traded on the same markets by the same people and i'm the reason why I think this is all nuts is you don't hear about anybody buying stuff from Gibson with with fucking bitcoin. you don't hear about people buying shit from uh from you know fender in bitcoin, so why would they be fucking issuing nFTs? I mean it's like here, this is a legal way for us to get involved in like shady shit, um. Which you know, b- after the you, the Ukraine thing, now I'm concerned that that things like Bitcoin are going to be the target of governments worldwide because they ro- they're watching Russia try to move money, you know, using a currency that's independent. Is basically said, we're not getting in the middle of this, um. You know, this is this is the asinine nature of this so now you've got companies like fender and gibson that are basically jumping into straw markets um they have that much money by the way fender has that much money that they're actually doing this like this is kind of bonkers to me um because everybody else in the industry struggles right they can't even hire a worker to build enough units to get something out for a month uh but fender goes and makes nfts you know it's just ugh it's this just reeks of like screwed up. Um and I know part of that is probably my own like what the hell is going on with this sort of reaction to the word NFT anyway. But it's like somebody's gotta start asking these questions. I had somebody I had somebody the other day. I was in I was in my wife's Discord and she was uh she was doing an offline stream in her Discord and playing video game, and we had some people that come to the stream, like, actually hang out in Discord, and so I was talking to a guy, um, I won't say his name, who is, uh, he's a, he's a second-year guitar player, started during the pandemic, totally admitted, like, I started during the pandemic because I didn't have anything else to do, and I had some money later, so he bought, um, he told me he bought three Harley Bentons, um, so this is, this is the modern beginner, okay, he bought three Harley Bentons, um, and it was, like, really like these guitars you know okay fair enough you don't have a lot of experience with other things i'm not going to tell you you're wrong um but he's he's got uh three Harley bentons and he's having this you know conversation about guitar with me online virtually and like i'm sort of thinking about the fact that you know this is this is a a metaverse already like we're we're having this conversation you know and they and they actually this podcast in itself is also this, but we. Yeah, it's a we're not selling nfts that's not going to happen here uh we are we are a legit operation there's no reason for us to get into something that is potentially going to cost our listeners money and ultimately impact us negatively because people are going to be pissed off and upset and running around and using whatever clout they gather while they're trading nfts to uh, throw us under the bus or file lawsuits against us for you know participating in what could it potentially at some point be an illegal foreign market. Um it, these are these are interesting implications, right? Um and I would hesitate to guess that anyone in our community is going to be buying NFTs um of from Fender or Gibson right now. That's just it's kind of nonsensical. You got people buying Harley Bentons and you think they're gonna buy a Fender NFT Um, part of the reason why I went down that tangent though was, um, he was talking about Harley Benton and the headstocks and all these different things and the, the name. And like, why do people pay 400 bucks for a squire, $500 for a squire? And I told him, I was like, because they're paying for the name, you know, they're paying for the name in a lot of cases. It's not just, and I'm saying that I'm not trying to be supportive of Harley Benton. You guys know how I feel about Harley Benton, but, um, I'm saying that like there is a premium. I have a seagull, and if I'd bought a Martin, I would have spent four hundred dollars more, and I probably still wouldn't have gotten a solid wood guitar. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's there is a price gap for those brands, and yep. so it's like they're 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 selling their logo now more if, by doing this NFT thing. They're selling their logo now more than they're actually selling their product, which is kind of messed up. Um, that's part of the reason why I have a problem with them being a lifestyle brand. Um, this is worse than being a lifestyle brand in my opinion, by the way. And, um, brands that are doing this are just kind of like, they got me kind of wondering like, wow, so you guys are willing to basically take like weird money that's quasi-legal from foreign countries and everything else? Um, cause it's untraceable essentially. So. Uh, by by the way, I think most of the Bitcoin or the NFT markets I've seen are not in US USDS. They're, they you you buy NFTs with Bitcoin uh, or you buy them with uh you know a, a wallet of some sort with other cryptocurrency. Um, which I think is kind of wild. It's like they don't they don't they don't sell guitars for Bitcoin, but man, they'll sure uh they'll sure sell digital property. <laughs> so
0: I. I'm not a fan of the whole digital um, monetary value thing. Um, I understand that uh, I understand economics well enough to know that um, yes, uh, every um, uh, currency is based on its intrinsic value worldwide. Uh, Yeah. But I get the feeling that we're going to see, I'm not going to say we, we're going to see the end of cryptocurrency. No,
1: I think we're going to no see. No more
0: than we saw the end of Pet Rocks. I'm just saying that. We're, <laughs> or I NFTs we're gonna for probably. that matter.
1: I think right. I think actually the technology that drives it, because I, um, I work for a, a, uh, a legal association, and uh, I will say that we are partnered with the Global Blockchain Consortium Uh, Mm -hmm. If you don't know what that is, basically uh, the Global Legal Blockchain Consortium is a uh, group of individuals that created a blockchain so that you can attach legal documentation to it and reference contracts and stuff like that on the blockchain. So it's an immutable ledger that this was done and signed at this time, right? Um, Which is actually a really valuable legal tool, Um, and those are the kinds of things where an immutable ledger, like a like a blockchain for Bitcoin, would be fantastic and useful and there are other situations too like we talk about uh, international currency and like this idea that you know russia could potentially use bitcoin to fund themselves um and there are situations where having a currency like that's great but i think part of the problem is the governments in general and other countries have refused to do anything with it right they're they're not they're not cracking down yet they, they've looked at it like we tax it here, but that's not the same thing as like regulating it. Um, and, and I think that's largely going to come. And I think at the same time, there's going to be implications for NFTs when that happens. So that's why I'm like very, very skeptical about this. We're putting together an EP right now. Me and my co-writer, um, Tony LaPierre. And we are not in any, not, neither of us have even thought about selling an NFT of our, of our project. That's just not going to happen. That is not a thing that will happen. Um, because it's just not, it's not a real thing. Like it's not tangible. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just wild. I don't want to retread this too much. So yeah. that's um, good. We had a bunch of other stuff we wanted to talk about too. There was a bunch of other news items. Right. Let's keep going. Yeah. And then we can do a gig report at the end. Do I we want you to talk
0: about uh, the one I sent you on messenger there a minute
1: ago. Yeah, let's let's do definitely. So I have. Um, it's yeah. not that silver pedal right there, but it would look like it is. Uh, up here on the wall, <laughs> there is a yeah. uh, Chase,
2: Chase Bliss work
1: vinyl. Yep. Now Chase Bliss put out a um an email this week uh, to all its customers, and I think it ended up in the hands of a lot of people. Basically, them saying that we are no longer selling, um. We're no longer selling pedals to to dealers and they're going to sell direct. Now, before we go anywhere, I want to preface this by saying Chase Blitz is not made overseas and sold here in the States. So this has nothing to do with any of the other uh, topics we've discussed tonight in that regard. Like Chase Blitz is not, I mean, they source parts from overseas, but like if they can't get parts, they're not building pedals. You know what I mean? Like it's pretty obvious. But this is not a supply chain issue that's driving this. Um, no. Now, Jim, do you want to you kind of give an overview of like why you think this is happening? And... Yeah. Because I don't I think mean, they really clearly explained why it's happening. Or Yeah. So what it looks like is
0: Chase Bliss wants to continue to sell their product at or approximately around the current price. They also want to be able to provide a high level of customer service because, let's face it, most of their retailers uh, are not uh, trained uh, to handle their product because most Chase Bliss products are not your average pedals of any kind,
1: whether it be Overdrive, Reverb, whatever. They're usually better than a rack unit. (laughs) <laughs> right, they're bi- and and not cheap. No, no.
0: And in an effort to keep jobs and to keep people in place, because as David pointed out, they're in the United States, um, and to maintain pricing rather than having huge price increases, and to maintain a high level of customer service, they're going to cut out the middleman and sell direct because they wind up handling the bulk of customer uh, service and they do the bulk of the work and they are not getting, as far as they're concerned, a return on investment by having their products being distributed and sold by large um, distributors. For example, Guitar Center, Sweetwater, whatever. And it's not because of a lack of trying. I just think there's a lack of understanding. A Chase Biss pedal, you have one. They're not easy to get. They're not easy to use. And what I mean by that (laughs) is they're not easy to use. They're not easy to understand. And it doesn't mean that you, but most people want to know what's my Jimi Hendrix 1972? Or 1972, yeah, that doesn't exist. This What's is my not
1: 19... the pedal for you. Right. <laughs> like it's it just based
0: what... on where this conversation's going. You're That's getting right. very what specific. What is my 1969, you. Uh, you know, Jimi Hendrix setting for this pedal? Uh There is... And you're not going to find your 1999 Radiohead setting either. So the fact is that these pedals are for people who are willing to put the time and the effort into their tone um and their uh and their time and effort into learning how the pedal works and and we talked about that with Earthquaker too. um so uh it, it's and what i mean by that is Earthquaker doesn't exactly name their pedals yeah you with, never know with,
1: what the hell they are yeah much <laughs> less read the to read <laughs> description
0: so but but the point is the Chase Bliss has so much power and so much control. In yeah, a it's, little it's really box. just the
1: control. Yeah, I mean, for the most part. Um, let me let me let me talk about my experience with Chase Bliss. So I have a Warp Vinyl Mark II. Uh, I owned the Brothers for a while. Yep. And I want to say I own something else, but it's not. I'm looking at the list of pedals here and none of these are spring to mind. Um, so if you haven't looked at their compact pedals there, there are two foot switches in a single enclosure uh, left and right side jacks, So no top down jacks because the top is a panel of dip switches. And I believe it's like eight of them might be 12 um, that do different things in depending on what the pedal is. But basically, it's a new way to interact with the digital switching inside the pedal that then modulates the circuit in some way or modifies the circuit in some way to do things that other pedals simply can't do. Um, the warp vinyl is a chorus, but it can almost get into Univibe territory, and it sounds like the old Leslie chorus that was built into the, um, into the, the Hammond organ, uh, the uh, the Hammond cabinets. Okay, um, Leslie, yeah, yes, the chorus and the Leslie for, for the Hammond organs. Um, that was so incoherent, inco- but I'm sure somebody understood what I was saying. So then they started they started putting out some different format pedals because most of their pedals are in that format. They did the uh, the preamp mark two. Um, well they did the preamp mark one first, obviously. And then they did the CXM 1978 Vintage Studio Verb. And those cla- the claim to fame in those is they have rotary switches and they're and they're uh MIDI capable. So uh by by rotary, not rotary switches, they're rotary uh they're robotic faders. Rotary robotic faders so when you hit them with a a patch change all the faders go to where you set them which is kind of a gimmick okay i'm not i'm not gonna lie everybody thinks that this is like the coolest fucking thing they've ever seen when they see happen the first time especially if there's a studio and you see like 48 not 48 faders you know do it do a dance was it when the the mixer starts up to let you know they're all working uh yeah there's actually a reason for that guys when, when, when your, your console does that, when you start it up, it's because it's trying to tell you, Hey, I'm alive and everything works. Um, but, uh, in this particular instance, you're putting this on a pedal board, you're traveling around with this damn thing. Those things are notoriously bad for breaking down when they're, when they're dirty. So I don't know what faders he's using. Like they gotta be fancy as shit. That's all I can say. Cause, cause if that's, that's a functional thing that works on your pedal board, they better be really fancy. Um, I know that there is also the ability to disable the faders so that they don't do the flying fader thing when you switch presets on the, uh, on those format pedals. Um, but this is why I wanted to talk about both these formats. So the mic, the mini format, what I will call it, you know, the dual pedal thing, uh, that format typically retails, depending on the pedals function from three fifty to $450. And I think they now have a $500 one too. Um, the preempted Mark II is, I believe, $800. And that has not changed price since it came out. It's $750. I believe that has not changed price since it came out. Um, the studio verb is $900. And so here's why I think Chase Place is doing this. The prices that you are paying when you go to a dealer with 30% markup. Chase Bliss was getting their ass kicked financially. These pedals are expensive. You wanna buy something with motorized faders? You're gonna pay through the fucking nose. Um, And those two pedals have been like out of stock since they came out. They're just almost impossible to get. So they're extremely popular with a certain group of people and the people are willing to pay $800, $900 for them. And that's what this boils down to. In order for them to stay profitable, they probably had to bring it all in house because they couldn't afford a 30% markup. They couldn't afford to discount pedals to get them into dealers' hands. Um, now, I've taken my Chase Bliss pedal and I've opened it. No batteries in these guys, by the way. No, no way in hell. Um, it is wall to wall circuit board, it's like three layers. It is wild in a little Hammond enclosure. Uh, I've never seen anything so tightly packed in my life. I have no idea how they build these things. I'm convinced that they have elves that do it, um, and <laughs> like they just give them milk and cookies, and then that shit gets done. They come in in the morning, and there's like ten petals that are finished. Um, so they actually bake during the day. That's what they really do. Um, I I don't know personally. I think there's a cult audience for this company. I think the cult audience is loyal. And I think they will, they will eat this up. The problem is Chase Bliss is basically admitting that they're making a killing on their, on their lower end stuff now, because even though they they retail for, you know, between $350 and $500, they don't have to pay that markup anymore. And they were fine before it's the, the, the expensive pedals that I think that are driving this conversation because they are probably the most popular things they're producing, um, and, of course, they had, two, they had two big, like, giant successes last year. They did the, um, the Fuzz Factory, uh, the I, Bliss Factory, which is, like, basically Chase Bliss's Fuzz Factory. So, if you didn't know, Joel Corti of Chase Bliss used to work for ZVACs. He used to work for Zachary Vax. Um, so, they have a good relationship. He asked me, said, can we put the, the Fuzz Factory? I think it was supposed to be a charity pedal original. And it ended up becoming, like, a big seller. And They did a couple runs of them. Um... So their charity peddler was for the, that the pedal movie. Um, but right now, I mean, like they've got more discontinued pedals than they have in production, which yep. is pretty wild. They've only offer, got like nine pedals in production. They don't offer a delay right now, which is pretty wild. Um, not not a traditional delay. They have like what is it the they have the habit and they have the mood, which are both like plays on delays. I yep. guess the thermi is probably also considered a lay. Um, I don't know. I I like Chase Bliss when they were making pedals that were useful for the average guitarist. So like when they came out with the brothers, and they, which by the way people hated the fucking brothers. I I liked mine, not enough to keep it. I couldn't justify keeping it financially. It would it just didn't make sense. I thought it had a couple of good sounds in it, but for what I paid for it. It just didn't make sense um but but as i look through here like they don't do their tremolo anymore they don't do either of their analog delays which were freaking great um the bliss factory is now considered to be discontinued which probably means that their license ran out um the condor analog eq filter is no longer being done which a lot of people really like that too and that was like a really because it was basically a parametric EQ. um the brothers is gone for a while. That's been gone since the preamp came out. Um, the Ayahuasca, I think, I believe was also a licensed deal. The Womb Tone Mark II and uh, Mark I, Those are phasers. They don't know the phaser. Um, they do the generation loss is gone, but I think that was a limited run pedal anyway. The Warp Vinyl, their chorus. They don't do a chorus right now, and they don't do a flanger either. I mean, those are the four pedal like bring back your modulation pedals. If you want to do this and like make a go of it, like I buy I'd buy your stuff if you brought back your modulation pedals and you and you priced them appropriately. Um cuz they're they're not priced appropriately right now. Um this is not a market where I think anybody can can justify buying and I'm going to say this out loud and I I don't want anybody to shoot the messenger, but the dark world sucks. I've heard it from multiple people at this point. It's a shitty reverb. It's a shitty reverb. I'm going to say it. It's a shitty reverb. You know, how much, you know how much Dark World costs? $350. $350 shitty reverb. I'd rather take that $350 and throw it at, you know, UAD and get a good reverb or any number of other companies that provide a good reverb for $350 mm-hmm. rather than the Dark World. Um, and I'm not, I'm not shooting shots at Joel. I actually like Joel. I've had good interactions with him. But I just think that, like, He's kind of, he's kind of gone down this path of I'm going to make the weird wacky stuff. And right. that's, that's working for him. It doesn't work for me. So I'm not interested. Right. Yeah, there's
0: nothing. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. I just, no, I think that, right. It's not going to be the bag of, of some people
1: and they're, they're not going to go down that hole. Um, well, don't make no mistake. Just, like the, the dark world, I, I said it's a shitty reaver. It, what I mean is, it's a lo-fi reverb. If you're into that, I mean, by all means. But I'm not I spending three hundred fifty dollars
0: on it. I think Chase Bliss is, as you, you said, they have a, a rabid.
1: They have a cult following. Already. There are people so, that literally buy every single Chase Chase right. Bliss pedal as it comes out. I don't think, I think the thing
0: that a lot of other companies need, they don't need. And... That is, they don't, they don't have a lot of YouTubers that do videos about their stuff.
1: Or no, they sponsor a vi- podcast. That's that's how they get around that.
0: Yep. And uh, they don't really, you know, get like, hey, Chase Bliss is at Sweetwater. I didn't even know Chase Bliss was. A, I thought Chase Bliss was already. Um, I gotta be honest with you. I was surprised. You didn't know they had dealers? That this wasn't already a thing. So, yeah, when they said, hey, dealer. we're going online only, direct sales only.
1: I'm like. Wow. That's good. I thought they were all right. I have more there. reason to go to jam pedals then. Because I believe yeah, jam, I, mean, I I believe jam pedal is their biggest competitor, in my opinion.
2: Yeah.
1: Cult following, interesting, unique pedals. Yeah. Um with a with a you know, kind of an off kilter vibe to them. I think they're very there's probably a lot of overlap. But is there is
0: there enough cult following to keep them in business long term? I don't know
1: um they have so i'm in their facebook group because i bought pedals from them before they have a private facebook group that you get invited to or at least you did yeah um and it's there's a lot of people in there and like i said there's a lot of people in there that literally have every chase bliss pedal um which is wild uh they're the, the people that like them they're rabid fans and and in some cases it's like they're plugging tape players into them I mean, they're not even plugging guitars into it. They're using it for right. Um, manipulation. Right. So. Right. And I can see that. That I can see. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't have actually. I th- I wish more pedals would go the direct route, but they would pass the savings on to us rather than trying to gouge us. Because that's what, that was yeah. my argument. Like, so they got these pedals that are kind of weird and wacky, um, like the cha- So the warp vinyl is probably the most normal pedal they do right now which is a pretty intimidating uh chorus the, the hi-fi uh it's got a lot of features it can you, i mean you can literally set this thing up and use it as a tremolo if you want yep. um i'm gonna have to harass somebody <laughs> my uh my cat is in the cat food can because somebody didn't throw it away
2: My wife shows up. It's like the wild wife appears. She walked right in there. Um, (laughs) She was on top of it.
1: Yeah, it's not her fault. I can tell you whose fault it is. It's my youngest. Um, they they are incapable of throwing things away, so they they physically can't do it. I guess. Um, because that's the only explanation I could come up with. Um, so the warp the warp vinyl hi fi is a um, it is their most conventional pedal but at the same time is still wildly intimidating this pedal is now 350 bucks it's been 350 bucks for a long time so you're telling me the parts cost went up enough that they went up 30 percent because i mean maybe they did but like i have a hard time believing they went up 30 percent maybe 15 percent um i almost feel like Three twenty-five would be an appropriate price now at this point, or three hundred flat if I'm buying from you directly. Um, but you know, I understand a lot of these companies and the way they operate is like we want to make sure our people make a living wage, and right. I understand that. But I think some people also, I don't know, I I, I don't want to get into that conversation. I think it's I think it's a, a much deeper issue. But like that's part of what's driven Kiesel's prices through the roof, and I feel like that conversation is more about how about you stop lining your own pockets and start making sure that your employees are paid well. And I know Joel wouldn't do that because I Joel is a good dude. Like having had conversations with him and interactions with him in the past. But I but in the case of Jeff Kiesel, I mean that guy, he he he's got a he's got a two hundred thousand dollar you know toy that he drives through the desert like and he's complaining that, that customers need to pay more so his people can get paid whoa, whoa, whoa wait what you know come on come on how about you live like your employees like that's the kind of horseshit that just drives me absolutely insane um so you know if if joel's buying a ferrari and he wants his employees to buy a ferrari like that i get Do you know what I'm saying? But like, that's not what's going on here. (laughs) This is this. Joel's living like everybody else. And Joel's trying to make sure everybody gets paid so they can, you know, put food on the table. Um, So I get that. Um, Yeah, I know. I know we've spoken about this myth on the show before too, the myth that because you build pedals or you sell guitars that you're infinitely rich because you build your own guitars and like sell them to people. That is like complete nonsense. And some of the people who in the industry people think have got like a ton of money end up being like the poorest ones, which is absolutely hysterical. And then you got other people out there who have money and have a company and they don't spend anything on their company like that's that's the other side of it. But um, the one that comes up in conversation, of course, is Josh Scott. Now, Josh Scott is actually pretty responsible with his money. Um, He does have a, a lot of cash put away now because his company has been very, very successful. And I'm sure he's living very well. But there was a time period when people thought he was filthy rich. And he was like, he was like renting an apartment to put his business in because he had no space. He couldn't afford to rent like commercial space. That was right. a thing. Um, He was hiring his buddies because he literally couldn't hire anyone else. No one else would work for free. Um, yep. Like that's, you know, that's the kind of nonsense that people don't understand is that. Even even places like Earthquaker who have managed to eke out you know a living for for him and his wife who build pedals, it's like um, people have instantly think that these companies are you know ultra rich, and it's just not yeah. the case. And by the way, you compared Earthquaker and Chase Bliss. The only real similarity between Earthquaker and Chase Bliss is that the the pedals themselves, the names, and what they do are really cryptic. Right. That's always good. Yeah, the, fu- it's the the only comparison I was making. The function I wasn't throwing anything else out. The function in Chase Bliss is also cryptic. <laughs> like that's the difference. Like, even if you know what the pedal is supposed to do, the function in Chase Bliss is still cryptic. Like you have to right. play with it, figure it out. And then once you figure it out, it's actually really cool. But um But I've noticed in, in Earthquaker, like I'll I'll look
0: at an Earthquaker pedal and I'll go, What the hell does that knob do? I mean it's it's usually logical. I mean, if it's a dirt pedal, you're gonna have tone and you're gonna have drive And you're gonna have, you know. Let me ask you a question. EQ,
1: but. I'm gonna get. Let's do this. This is part of our segment. I'm gonna right, find. I mean, I'm gonna find a Earthquaker, and I'm gonna ask you pedal names, and then get your opinion on what they are. Oh boy, this Here sounds like go. this sounds like a fun. This segment. sounds like a, a game. <laughs> this yeah,
0: this is gonna be awesome. A drinking game. All right, everybody, get your shots ready. Yeah, this is gonna going be, be fun. Get the um, whole bottle because I don't know shit. Go, I'm not going to cheat. So, how
1: about the dispatch master?
0: The dispatch master, Um, echo. You are correct. It's a delay and reverb pedal. Wow, I got one right.
2: (laughs) Um, The astral destiny.
0: Uh, astral destiny.
2: Uh, ambient noise.
1: I don't know. no it's it's a reverb pedal i was gonna say <laughs> reverb i thought the other one was reverb but they have here pedal. you go uh the data corrupter
0: that i know the data corruptor is like a weird it, it breaks up your signal and makes these weird sounds come out do you know what's funny is they characterize it as a
1: harmony pedal it's a harmonizing fuzz effects pedal for electric guitar I suppose that that's what <laughs> that's
0: those asonine. output are. I know what that thing sounds like. That's asinine. Yeah, they're just random noises it makes. Um, here, the only here, problem here. I have with that pedal before you go further is <laughs> you can't control what it does. No, it's like the Miku. No, it's just it's bad shit.
1: It's, right, it's gonna <laughs> say whatever it wants <laughs> when you play that thing. That's so, that's anyway, the problem no, I have yeah. with the fuzz factory. No matter how you set the knobs, it'll never sound the same way twice. Yeah, I mean it's ridiculous. You could, you could, you could literally like glue the knobs in place, and it would still sound different the next <laughs> time you turn it on. Um,
2: oh, this is good. The warden, the warden
0: reverb. No, I mean, uh, um, the... yeah, reverb. No, it's an optical compressor. Oh, come on. <laughs>
1: So I, figured, I also like would jail, have accepted Gate. is
0: echoey. And, okay, so. Nope. I, I, thought, have I, I would
1: have thought Gate. So I'm like, I. Hey. Oh, okay, okay. That one makes sense. The Gate part makes sense. Nick, you probably know this one because this is a popular pedal from them, but the Acapulco Gold. Acapulco Gold. <laughs>
2: uh, uh,
0: that's got to be a reverb pedal. No, it's a distortion is it really? Yeah. Ha <laughs> ha. I hope you guys are drunk by now. Yeah. I told yeah, you
1: um, I
0: wasn't going to get a lot of these right.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to go through a ton of them. I'm just looking for fun ones at this point. And I um, didn't know what the disruptor, or whatever that one was.
0: Corrupted. How about the organizer? Uh, the organizer sounds like it's going to be, what does that sound? I tremolo. No,
1: it's a polyphonic organ emulator. Dude, I am so fucked when it comes to this. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know let's do one more let's yeah i'm one looking one. for the, be- the best Find a good one. One. uh how about the rainbow machine
0: oh come on um uh uh rainbow um it it's a rainbow so it sounds like richie blackmore it's a
1: richie blackmore uh, oh jesus christ no it's a uh pitch shifting modulation pedal it's actually a polyphonic pitch shifting delay i wouldn't have got that right yeah it's a weird fucking I mean- pedal I get it. When you tell me what it is, then
0: I get it. It makes sense. It sounds like rainbows. A rainbow, right? A rainbow of sounds.: um,
1: "But I didn't get it." So, so my point is, yeah, like companies like this, they they, there's a lot of there's got to be a lot of overlap between these companies and right. the kinds of weird stuff. Like I could see somebody putting a rainbow machine on the board with a warped vinyl. You're right Sounds You're sounds right. reasonable. Um you know, that 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 seems like something that could happen. So I I can see the comparison. I just think it's interesting that uh that there are so many companies now that are just like marketed towards or like building pedals towards just being weirdish hell. Um and doing just totally bonkers stuff. Uh and Jam does that too. I mean, hell, they have a they have a delay with a llama on it. <laughs> you know, right. Which oddly enough, Jam stuff actually is way more conventional and functional, you would think. But it's just it's like slick layout uh, and very few knobs, and it nails
2: the sound of what it's trying to do.
1: I can't think of any other companies that are that are quite as strange as those two. No. Um. Did you have anything else that you wanted to share, or do we go into Gig Report? Or
2: Yeah, I'm ready for Gig Report. All right, go for it.
0: All right, so I had a gig. Uh, It was really fun. Um, uh, I hope. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, But I want to share more audience reaction than, look at me, I was a great guitar player that night or whatever. So, because I was just doing my job. I mean, I go in, I play the guitar, and I'm, I'm having fun. Now, I used this guitar. It was the first time. I didn't have it three days, I don't think. And this thing has got to be nine and a half pounds. Which is pretty <laughs> happy.
2: It's a brick.
0: It was, it was a rock. Right? A brick. And he was, it, it was swinging around my neck and doing its thing. And I was having a blast. But believe me, my feet felt it the next day. I thought that I had run over a box of nails. With bare feet, the next day. But okay, so during the show, during the during the gig, I'm up there, and I am just going to town, right? Just going to town. And so I, we got to the end of the show. Well, during the show, I'm uh, so there's we're a two guitar player band. I mean, I'm not going to count the lead singer because once in a while he puts a an acoustic on and does a little strumming, but it's like Elvis. He could be unplugged and nobody would know the difference. Right. And no offense to Tim. He's our, you know,
1: I'm sure he would agree. It's he's doing it for effect.
0: Right. But he does it for effect and he does it for himself more than anything. But anyway, so we're, we're up there and I'm, you know, we're playing away and I go, um, to, uh, do my thing. And this is the funny part. This is the fun part, and probably um, the part that made me laugh the most. And even the other guitar. So I'm the person that's very animated. I do all the backup vocals. I do some of the lead vocals, and I also provide, you know, the singing uh, or the guitar playing, obviously. A lot of rhythms, because the other guy, he, and he, he'll admit he's like, I don't want to have to learn all the chords. You do the chords. i that's <laughs> you. I just I hear what you do and I play over it, which is cool. That's that's a, that's an interplay of two guitar players and certainly a valid interplay of what you would do when you're playing in a two guitar band is no two are trying to do the same thing. As a matter of fact, when he does play chords, when we both play chords, he and we've talked about this before, he goes for voicings that I'm not doing. So I'll say, what are you using for voicing there? I show him he goes to another one. Um, which is tough for a song like like Interstate Love Song. Anybody that's played an Interstate Love Song. If you do the real chords to the song, there's a lot of diminished and demolished chords in there. And it's hard to find another place to play the diminished chord like that. You know what I mean? And so um uh sometimes he'll play a piece of one, sometimes he'll play the whole thing. Uh, but but we're both playing, you know, sensibly. Anyway the The funny part is the audience reaction, so they're watching me and I am just flying all over the place. My hands are just flailing um if anybody checks out um uh, my YouTube page, my personal YouTube page or my um uh, Facebook page I post everything to the world, so
1: I just don't care yeah his, but you his, can,
0: you can see his life is there. there for
1: you to see, yeah,
0: hamming it up I don't care. And so I'm I'm hamming it up in front of everybody. I'm just having a good time. And we're at the last song. The last song we do is um, Freebird that night. Because a, a guy came in and said, I'll and here's the funny part. He goes, I'll, you guys, I heard you cross the road. We came from that club, came over here, see you guys. He's literally talking like this. And I heard you guys uh, play some Scannard earlier. Could you play me some Scannard? I'll tip you. It takes out a five dollar
2: bill. A five dollar. Shit, I've got bigger I tips can't than say that. This.
0: <laughs> he gives he gives Tim a five dollar bill, our lead singer. He gives him five bucks. Tim's like, well, hell, that might be half a beer. Tim goes, <laughs> well, we'll have to play Freebird for you. And I said, Did you hear that, folks? He just tipped us $5 to play Freebird. You give me 10 and we won't play it. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I'll take 10 bucks not to play it. Well, obviously, it went that the place erupted laughter. And then so and then
1: Tim goes, "Here, Jim, you take the whole $5." <laughs> I gave it to the I gave it to the uh, bartender. Meanwhile, the guy that you gave gave me the $5 was like Now they're making them fool of (laughs) me. Nope, because we played it. And we played it. um,
0: And so we're going to the part, you know, where it goes to double time during the solo. Well, during the double time in the solo, all the girls left at the end of the night and this guy are in front of me. Somebody's got a picture of this somewhere because they took, I saw pictures going. They're in front of me going... And the guy gets on his knees and he's got a lighter and he's holding it like this. And he's got this face, And I'm just going, <laughs> sir, I, dada, dada,
1: I-, I would lean over my dada, guitar bas- and go, dada, dada, sir, this dada, is a bar.
0: <laughs> and they're thinking, I'm the rock star.
1: Yeah.
0: I look over here. Well, yeah, he's
1: going buck wild over there. And you're like, he is,
0: what the hell? Now, to, to add insult to injury, he had just had hernias, not hernia, he had yeah. his appendix taken out two days before. Right. So he's standing up there. The hardest painkiller he's on is like Tylenol. Um, <laughs> yeah. And not even the good Tylenol, not the Tylenol with codeine. I'm talking about regular old Tylenol. So he's, he's on Tylenol. He's got two fresh scars because they did it laparoscopically. And I'm over there ripping it up on the on the rhythm and everybody thought I was playing so yeah so he turned over to me and he nodded me in and then we just started ripping the solo together <laughs> and it's just so funny because everybody was like oh my god oh my god you're so good and I'm, like, I'm like all the real works
1: you know what's funny though is like that's
0: what totally- I love because he's so humble about it he really is and and um he didn't go Look, you a holes. I'm the one doing the work. He
1: just he laughed it off, too. He thought it was hilarious. So that song is such a crowd pleaser and people think it's so it freaking hard to play. And it's like, guys, huh. it's like one of the first songs you can learn. I mean, right. That's why I just kind of laugh because I'm like, there's some songs that I've ended up playing in open jam that are kind of like that, too, where it's like. These are the easiest songs you could possibly have me playing. And I can do really well on them and make them sound really good because they're easy. Right. Um, but there are other songs that should be dirt simple that people like call as tunes, and you're like, oh great, not that one again. Cause like it everybody train wrecks it. Um, I won't say what songs because I know people from Open Jam listen to the show. Uh, and I don't want to out them. Because I have been on stage with several folks who listen to the show uh, who have called for a song or two that were going to be train wrecks. They were going, like, you knew ahead of time, you're like, oh, God damn it. Uh, Actually, one, um, the weight is often a train wreck. Um, You're talking
0: about by the band.
1: Yeah. And the funny thing is, it's not a hard song. And if you've learned the tune, because I play it with, with Old Stumpy. Like you should be able to get through it, no, no sweat. But when I play the weight with anyone else, for whatever reason, somebody screws up something, and it's you know like what
0: usually, always a train wreck. You know what they usually screw up is that little piece at the end of each of the. Is it the verse? Yeah, that harmony um, part,
1: not the har- yep. the part before the vocal harmony, the chords, yeah, and they 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 come in ahead. On the end, and it's like, no, wait, or they play, they play because or they play because it's like two parts and then that part, they play they try to play it early. Yep. Like that's another thing I've had happen. Or yep. they don't know the chords for that section. Now I've actually dived that song really bad one time because I was on a stage Ooh. with somebody who decided to play it with a capo and told me it was in a different key than it was. Whoops. Yeah, so by the time I figured out what key it was actually in. I was like, it was already a train wreck at that point.
0: Um, so, you know, I can believe that I can believe that. And
1: I've been on stage with that, that particular individual several times and had train wrecks because they wanted to do tunes that are not simple tunes and that not everyone on stage knows, and they don't have charts. We have a guy that comes in now. He he brings charts. He says, I've got, I've got chords for you. And he puts chords down in front of you. That's cool. I will share. I have well, a I have a gig report to share. Well, let me let me
0: finish. Yeah. By, uh, so I also auditioned um, uh, vocally to uh, play with a, a national act. Uh, Firefall is coming to town. Um, only part of the band is coming, so they're looking for people to fill in the spots. This is this is in response to the. You know, the fact that a lot of bands didn't get to keep because let's face it, got, got, uh, bands like that are were making their living on continuing to tour the few hit songs they had in the 70s and early 80s. Right. And <clears throat> so all they really had coming in was tour money. Mm-hmm. And when the tours dried up, that was all there was. So now some people are going out, some people like yourself, they're staying home and for good reason. Their, their health isn't good or whatever and um and some people like have had strokes i mean you know that they're even worse off than they were and so um there is a limited amount of of work you can get done and so what they're trying to do is do kind of like a daryl hall daryl hall's house daryl's mm-hmm. house um where you do a smaller venues a little bit larger not huge um overages, but a little bit larger ticket price, but you are guaranteed like you're right there, and you know you you get an intimate setting mm-hmm. and what what it is is they they come in and we've got uh other bands i'm I'm not sure I can share the names, but um other acts in that time frame that are be coming through, and this whole idea is kind of like a a, a daryl hall uh, uh Daryl's house yeah where you, and so you could be the filling guy for other acts. Right. Um, and I would come in and I would sing back up for older acts and so, and so forth. So <laughs> I went in and I did it. I did pretty well. I, I you know, I I hated myself, but uh, we're always, I always told, by,
2: Yeah.
0: And I was told by other people, you know, Jim, you picked the highest song and you did it first and you were the first singer. So there's that. So, um, and I did. And uh, then the second song, I did the high harmonies, which are mm-hmm. even higher than what I was singing to do the beads on the other part. So um, uh, I'm hoping I I impressed them enough to at least come in and do, you know, do some harmony and enjoy some of the the stuff. So that, that, but what was cool, I'd never auditioned like that. I never had to audition like that for something like that. So I figured it would be like other auditions where you come in and you do a little piece of it and then Mm -hmm. you walk away. I did a whole song twice. Um, so, and um, I could have done all of them. Could have done all yeah. six or seven songs. Um, and it's also, um, it was a very intimate thing. Um, and I was shocked at how few people were in the cut. There's a lot of local musicians. doesn't matter where you live. And it was only maybe a dozen of us. So yeah. it was, and it was cutthroat. I mean, <laughs> yeah, in that respect, but everybody was respectful of, Oh everybody. no, no. Right.
1: Cause they all know that like, there's only a certain amount of gigs and like, you right. don't want to throw that guy into the bus cause he might actually no. talk you up for something else later. That's um, right. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's definitely a fraternity attitude towards those kinds of situations. Right. Um.
2: Yeah. I hope you, I hope you get a call
1: back on that actually just thinking yeah, about it yeah. um so is it is it cool if i if i share now yeah yeah now I'm so going. i'm gonna share i'm not gonna name names um i saw some bad conduct again it was not the kind of oh. conduct that had me riled up this time but um a friend of mine and i were sitting together at open jam and um, he got called up and he wanted me to go up with him and he had, he had said that but uh i'd been up I'd been up enough. I was like, no, it's good. It's fine. Just get the guy that's going up with him. I'm like, he's really good. You'll be fine. Um, I knew one of the gentlemen that was already up there, and I knew the other guy could play. I had a horribly negative interaction with the individual before, um, but I was like, whatever. And now I'm told that person drinks. It's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and he becomes an asshole when he drinks, basically. That's what I'm told. So um, anyway, he gets up on stage and uh, my buddy is the one that brings charts, right? So he's he's actually sitting at the table, scribbling charts down all night before he before he gets up. And he waits. He was there when he came in shortly after I got there and he waited till end of night to, to, to perform. He's, I, you know, Trooper, he really wants to play. He's going to have a good time. He's looking to play with new people. He doesn't care that he had to wait. He never made a comment about it, negative comment about it. But I would have been kind of pissy. I would have been like, you know, what? how come I didn't get into the rotation at the end because I'm a band right, leader. Is right. that why does it because I offered to be to lead a band like that's kind of bullshit and, and I, I'm sort of OK with that kind of thinking. But he was he was cool with it. that. Was, that's my line of thought, not his. So he hands out charts for the first two tunes and it's clear the one guitar player that the I said is Dr. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde. Is exceptional. Okay, and he is playing over the other guitar player, and because the other guitar player is standing back on the stage, um, he can't see him to call him for solos. So after the first tune, he realized he missed him. He made sure he got a solo in the second tune. Other guitar player played over him, uh, on accident, I on accident because he stopped after after a few minutes, he after a few seconds, like it was like he realized oh shit, um, and then they kind of. Played together for a second and then, you know, it was it was cool. Nobody was nobody was upset, right? No, no harm, um, no foul. Then the, the the funniest thing happens. Song three final song of the night. for for uh, my friend, he's handing out lead sheets to everybody. And the other guy starts playing. Um, what's the uh, what's the famous BB uh, King tune that everybody wants to do? B minor, I guess it is. Oh,
0: uh, the one that goes it's a down. minor
1: blues. Um, God, I can't remember it offhand.
0: I know it's in B minor, and everybody does it. Um, I'm looking. I am too.
1: Thrill is gone. Thrill is gone. Okay. You want to play Thrill is gone. And he starts playing. I didn't even. I taught BB
0: King. And, and it's it, yeah. gone. And I'm as, as like, they're yeah, handing out
1: the, if uh, they're handing out the lead sheets, he starts playing this. And then the other guitar player kind of plays the chords along with him. And of course, then the drummer counts off and he goes. And they're all kind of like, while well, he's talking, while well, the band leader's talking to people. So he goes, he sits down, and he and he kind of goes like this. He puts his hands together, and he looks around the stage, and they're all playing. Thrill is gone, and he says, "All right," and everybody keeps playing. And at this point, uh. Dr. Jekyll comes over and <laughs> he's he's standing there in like and in front of the stage and, and his chord is like almost pulled out of his guitar, right? Um, because he's like that far away from his amp. And he's like, no, no. He's like, he's like like this, showing the showing the keyboard player. And the keyboard player's going. No, I just handed out lead sheets to everybody. Like, what the hell? So he, he kind of smiles and he goes, shrugs. And then next thing you know, he's singing Thrill is Gone. And the band screws him out of his last song.
2: So he comes off stage and he's standing with me and he says, what the fuck is that guy's problem? And I said, I don't know. I said,
1: I've been a victim of his ass too. Like I had a negative interaction with him and uh just like who does that you're not the band leader you need to work it out with everybody not just start playing the song and get everybody to play along with you right? um so anyway you know he wasn't all upset about it he was just like that's kind of shitty like i got i got robbed out of a song you know like yeah it is shitty it's like what are you going to do about it i mean you, you going to go talk to the guy like he said drunk, he probably won't remember anyway. Um, He won't know what songs he played tonight. And and the stupid thing is, guy's really good. He's like really good at guitar. He could probably be playing in a number of local bands making decent money. But to my understanding, he doesn't even play in a local band. Like he just, you know, he does it for fun. It's a fun thing for him. I actually know what his day job is. It's musically related. Um, But not guitar related. And it's just kind of funny because like, I'm watching this go down and I'm just thinking, wow, what a jerk. And so, you know, at least in the back of my mind, my, my, my learning experience from this whole conversation situation was don't be that guy. Don't try right. to usurp things, no matter how much you think it's a better idea or whatever, be a team player, work together. Because I would rather play with the lead sheet on the floor than to just like play a minor blues. Cause at least the lead sheet on the floor, like it could be fun. Like I've never played this tune before. let's go. Um, that's the way I approach those kinds of situations. Whereas, you know, who wants to play thrill is gone again. Right. Um, um, and I've stuck the chords on that so many times. It's so funny. Cause it's like, it's oh. not a hard tune, but it's not, it's not 12 bar blues. Let's put it that way. There's, there's some, some different changes
2: in there. Um, but uh i just
1: you know i just kind of got by that i did bring the the amp one board again flawless i i had the, i had everything preset the way i wanted it before i got there because i knew like last time i was there i was like man i didn't have enough trouble i didn't have enough of this man that thing just smoked it was like oh it's just i it was so good and i was on stage with a guy playing with a uh, 68 deluxe reverb the custom one and he looks at me and he goes where is your amp? He's like, that thing sounds really good. And I pointed at my pedal board and he goes, I thought that was your amp. And I'm like, yeah, that's my amp. And he's like, that thing sounds really good. And I'm like, yeah, it does. And I'm sitting sort there of kind of thinking, like, yes, yeah, it's louder than yours. And it's and it's definitely warmer. And uh, you know, and I have more control over it. <laughs> and it's it weighs about half the weight, <laughs> you know. My whole rig weighs half the weight of your deluxe reverb. So yep. uh it's kind of cool. Um I can't see enough good things so I actually built a board around it uh which I'm still in the process of getting like some things finalized on it. I've got um it's what I think I described the board before uh the last podcast but basically like it's the Sunface into the King of Tone into um the Amp One and then the Amp or and then the Univibe actually before the uh or after the fuzz face um and then so i'm actually putting my fuzz in front of everything i know who you are and if you heard me i actually said that i'm putting the fuzz in front of everything and i know people know that i don't like doing that but sometimes it's just path of least resistance and that's the path of least resistance fuzz in front um actually and if i put a wall on the if i put a wall off to the board the wall will actually be in front but um and then fuzz uh can, or uh the um vibe machine king of tone uh i'm using the amp one and it basically goes between clean and vintage mode which is like a plexi and then that goes uh the effects loop out into the uh delay llama uh excel and then that goes into the maris uh mercury seven reverb and then the mercury seven goes out into the amp one return and then i'm just running one cable to the cabinet and two power cables off the board and it's fantastic i mean it's like the most convenient damn rig i i can take four cables literally four cables including my so guitar cable power cable power cable and long speaker cable and that's it um four cables uh a a medium pedal board not a huge one and a 30 pound cabinet because i got that that cab with the uh screen back in it the neocream back which by the way i mean that's speaker has opened up it smokes it's so good um i would totally load a 4x12 with those and and drop 20 pounds doing it um or 30 i think it's actually almost closer to 30 30 pounds Mm
2: -hmm. so
1: i can't say enough good things about that um although i don't necessarily know that i want the 1960a with, with those because I think they got a little, it'll be a little too too chunky in the low end if you do that. So, um, but that's said, uh, I, I haven't even plugged in my C90 cab in forever. Um, I will be this summer. Uh, I will be playing uh, Taste of Roselle again, um, which is the, the festival I played last year. We have a much better time slot this year. We're playing Saturday at 6 p.m uh i don't know what the date i think it's like august 10th or something like that um and it is uh that is a premiere spot um and i am looking forward to it not being in the sun and playing a really loud ass gig in a town that's very near to me (laughs) um with with and with because we're outdoors i'm bringing i'm bringing the big shit. i'm probably gonna bring a cabinet and other stuff because last time we were i wasn't loud enough on stage in my opinion I I they don't need to mic me. It's fine,
2: right? <laughs> I'm gonna play the Star Spangled Banner.
1: <laughs> if you know what I mean. I actually oh, yeah. I'm probably gonna bring the um, I'll probably bring the Fillmore out for that, and it'll be the Fillmore and uh, the HX Stomp for that show, because I can do the all the crazy weird fish effects and stuff with that. I can have yep. all the
2: the um. Uh, filters and everything. So, I've been David. And I've been Jim. And tonight we've been practical guitarists. We have.